welcome to Beyond the Sunday Sermon. Uh, Jerry and Craig are back with a special guest, Jennifer Chang, and she is our uh, longtime member, music coordinator, begin this year, and uh, women's leaderboard member. So welcome, Jennifer. Good morning. <laughs> Don't and uh, this Sunday was Pastor Jerry on Ephesians 4. Why don't you give us a brief recap, Jerry? A brief recap of Ephesians 4. Well, as, um, for those who have been um, with us the past five weeks, we've been walking through uh, the five marks. And this week we have been looking, we looked at um, Christ the King and abiding in Christ the King. And one of the things I tried dr- drawing out from that, or at least connecting the passage in Ephesians 4 to um, uh, the, the idea of abiding in Christ the King is how Christ rules as King in our hearts through the preached word. And you, we, we see that there in, in Ephesians chapter 4, where the gifts that Christ gave to the church to to build up the body of Christ are all the word-centered gifts. Mm. Um, and th- through that, uh, Christ both gives us unity and then mends us and equips us and heals us so that we can um, engage with and participate in, in the life of Christ. So that's that's the recap. Um, yeah, I don't know if there is any... That was one thing that struck me. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I've read this passage dozens of times, but and I was thinking of it as a community passage, speaking the truth in love, mm-hmm. you know, we're being built up into one head. But how focused it is on the Word. Mm-hmm. And often we pit those two things together. Like either you're a community-centered church and you really love each other well, or you're a teaching church mm-hmm. and you do the word all the time. Mm-hmm. But clearly, those should not be. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't each be. Other. They shouldn't be at all. And, the, and that, so, uh, uh, a lesson, I guess, in, in, in preaching or a struggle in preaching, especially with something like topical. Though this wouldn't. This this isn't a topical series. Um, but we're not. We weren't walking through a book of the Bible. Um, and one of the struggles was when I saw the title, you know, oh, it's going to be about community. I was looking to add everything communal into it, at least starting from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. But as I was reading, I'm like, okay, this is communal, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's not a ground up sort of let's build community and then we'll experience unity. It's Christ is giving unity. We either receive it or we, re- we reject it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what, what it comes down to. And that, that really, really struck me. Um, that it's a it's a matter of our posture to the gifts that Christ gave us and our engagement with them is it really determines how we experience the unity that has been given to us. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and where we get that posture, mm-hmm. the how, and sort of the why of it, because that's that's the connection. It's word, and it's community unity in us. But mm-hmm. who is the word? Mm-hmm. Christ is the word, mm-hmm. and we are Christ. Mm-hmm. communally. Mm-hmm. We have Christ in us through the Holy Spirit individually. But, you know, that's... So it is still tied together, totally. Mm-hmm. Because that's what that community is, is Christ himself mm-hmm. and all of his fingers and eyes and ears and mm-hmm. noses yeah. being himself mm-hmm. in us, but not just for us. Right. For the world as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was... So I just love how, how Paul, you know, it's easy to read the, that passage and either take from it, oh, you start asking the question, what gift do I have? 
what gift do I have? Um, but, but, but Paul is saying, Paul is saying more. <laughs> Paul is saying, I've given the church specific, specific gifts through these ordained ministries. And then those gifts are to stir up and bring out the other gifts in the congregation. Um, so I just found that to be so helpful. And then even, even with the word equip there, I just love how, at least, at least what I saw um, and how the word is used in the gospels. You know, it's not equip, I'm going to give you all these tools so then you can go out and just and do this work. No, it's the, the word is going to do the work in your hearts to mend you and to heal you. And through that, you will mm. go out and do the work of ministry. Um, and that just says, that says a whole lot about what ministry is. It's not just tools in our tool belt to fix things. It's, it's the word of God working in our hearts. And then the outflow of that, um, really goes back to verse one. Um, you know, the whole walking in our calling in a, Mm. in in a holy way, in a uh, worthy way, should I say? Mm. Yeah. And we do do things and we do need to do things, but it's also the being, because I don't know, for me, it's very easy to just have the list, start to try and check it off. Okay, I've, I've done this today or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some people can't do a lot just because of their situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends on what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But out, like you say, out of Christ in us and who we are in him, that is the direction of the flow. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, sometimes the doing may just be a relationship with someone. It may be words. It may be, you know, just your living together and being a listening ear or whatever it is, or, you know, saying a word, you know, from the Lord, so to speak, um, to them in their time of need. Mm-hmm. Um, that, mm-hmm. you know, that's a gift that we're given. That's also the doing as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That is a great point because... But it just strikes me as very gracious for everyone in the community um, that I think a lot of people feel like they don't have any gifts or they don't have any word-based gifts or something like that. They can't teach. But it's really not true. Like if we, if there really is one Lord and one faith, one baptism, there's this incredible unity that we all receive from Christ, then we all have a part to play and sometimes it's it's really important to be humble enough to just receive something to Mm -hmm. receive love or to receive gifts or or simply all you can be is is a listening ear and that is very much a part of how the word of christ dwells in us Mm -hmm. right if we don't have anyone to uh, uh who if we don't have anyone in need then we're not going to be a very vibrant community. Mm-hmm. We're all pretending like we don't need anything, so we're all going to try to mm. do, 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 and mm. there's no one who actually is admitting enough, honest enough to say, I, I'm really hurting right now, or mm. I need this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... As I think about this whole idea of uh, what, what, you know, the, the, the gifts that, that the Spirit has given us, I grew up, and you guys may have too, in, in a culture where we were obsessed with what gift mm. I have that's mm. different from the gift that you have. And that's just such an American way to look at 
Oh, well, the, the checkout, the checkbox lists. Is this is the check- IVCF or whatever. Well, <laughs> what are your spiritual gifts? Let's figure out yeah. where you are good at. Yeah. You know, some of the spiritual gifts that God, you know, so you're outlined at in the Bible. So you're looking at yourself. Yeah, of and others, and you're getting others' input on which are your mm-hmm. <laughs> gifts, and it's not all bad. But it, again, it's a performance sort of based right. scale. It's, it's, it's obsessed with me. Mm-hmm. It's obsessed with how unique I am. We're looking for this, wh- where am I unique? And the passage is, it's, it's mending you, equipping you to do the work of ministry. And really that work could be service. So are you one to, do you have the desire to serve? If you have the desire to serve, you will discover your gifts and they will be used. Um, mm-hmm. They will be used uh, almost sometimes unintentionally. Because your desire is not, what do I have? What do I have that this person doesn't have? And then I can give it, it's, it's sort of a, I don't want to call it a, capital, a capitalist way of doing things, but um, a, a sort of a give and take. What, what can I give and what they can receive? Well, just go serve and you will discover your gifts. What's mm-hmm. my expertise mm-hmm. and what can I do well? And why do I want to do it well? Because I want other people to look at me and mm-hmm. say, oh, you did that really well. <laughs> Which is also very condemning for those who feel like they don't have any expertise, mm. which yeah. is most people. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not it's not about expertise at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go. I like how Jared put it. Go serve, and then you will discover mm-hmm. your gifts. Yeah, you will discover it, and that's why you need other people. Yeah, it's not. Let me let me just look at my resume and say, oh, this is this is where I excel. Well, when I when I read Paul, um, he excelled most when he was weak. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we don't lead from strength necessarily, because that's sometimes where our pride hides and works as, you know, it's, 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 it's worse magic, if you want to call it that. Um, no, we, we have to be weakened and humbled. And then we start discovering, oh, wow, I have a, a depth, a, a, a deeper appreciation or a deeper capacity to love that I didn't realize I had. I can actually love this person, a person I didn't at first prefer. And that's the hard part about this type of community. That's one thing I was trying to bring out that was really convicting to me, um, that uh, community, it's easy to talk about community in general. (laughs) Who is not going to, in the church, (laughs) say, I don't want to be united? Everyone's going to say it. Um, And it's, it's easy to show our unity in things like rallies. Those are all fine. And things like protests, those are all fine. It's easy to just, we all agree on certain things and therefore we feel united. And those have their place. But the unity that Paul talks about, it's that hard phrase, bearing with one another in love. Hmm. That's poetic, but in the moment, it's not fun. When you have to bear at somebody, and the, the picture I get with bearing somebody, let's just say somebody's done something wrong and you've, and you've pointed it out and you're right and they don't get it. Like, you're right. <laughs> They're wrong, clearly. You're right, and you have to bear with them. Like, that's not fun. That's not going to be a slogan. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but the more we do that, the more we're weakened. And actually, we find ourselves, the more weakened we are, the more mended we become because that, that, that ego that we have is you know, nailed to the cross more and more. Chesterton has some great one-liners about how it's so much easier to say, we, I love humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but God doesn't command us to love humanity. He says, love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. 
we we choose our friends, we choose our spouses, God chooses our neighbors. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you yep. know? Yep. So it's yeah, it's it's a lot easier to to love people that are very much like you mm-hmm. and yes. share your interests. And you know, I'm we're all Phillies fans or whatever, so mm-hmm. we're gonna watch a game together, and that's our community. Mm. And, and sure, that can be some type of community, but it's not grounded in Christ, right? It's not. It's no, not. it's an I love you, because mm. that's what Christ has said to us, right? I love you, including your faults mm. and the things that rub me the wrong way or the things I may not agree with or, mm. or mm-hmm. all of those things. But that's what we are, you know, to say mm-hmm. to others and not necessarily just people in the church mm. either. Sure. It mm-hmm. is our physical neighbor who, you know, may mm-hmm. not know Christ or be a part of anything. Mm-hmm. I'm to love you too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This, it's, it's interesting. The, the, the way Paul talks about community um, you could almost substitute the word marriage, I think. The, the, Gonna the t- have to explain that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. marriage. So the the when he talks about two people becoming one, we, we see that in, in Ephesians chapter 3 or chapter 2, where he reconciles two people and they become one. And he says the same thing about marriage, two people becoming, becoming one. And we know marriage... Um, uh, marriage is actually the uh, the picture of Christ being one with this church, married to the mm-hmm. church. So that there is, and then he uses phrases like bonded together, being or in other places in Ephesians, being knitted together, mm-hmm. the bearing one another. Like the the type of commitment I am to give to you sounds like the type of commitment, uh, uh, loosely speaking, <laughs> I'm to give to my wife. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or at least the vows that I take, and we take vows, we've mentioned mm-hmm. this before on this podcast, the vows that we take as a church to the person joining, it's an actual vow that is just as binding, I can, just as binding as a marriage vow. It's like I'm held accountable mm. to that. Mm. And when we pass the peace, we say that we're eager to maintain the, the, the bond of peace. We're eager to maintain it. Um, which means my relationship to the church, to the body of Christ, should not be um, a side job. Should not be a side hustle. Should not, should not be a part-time job. Mm. It, it should. There should be an eagerness to maintain it. Mm. Um, and what that looks like? Oh man, that looks like a lot of things oh, that are unwanted, <laughs> but are needed. That's really profound and challenging. I think. Yeah. I think you're really challenging. So there. there in some in some churches, and I think we we have it here too, where it the Christian community can actually end up feeling very uh, clicky or insular. Uh, I yeah. I I need Christian friends who are so much like me, and mm. then I'll really feel you know one or loved or whatever. Mm. And I don't think that's the case. Um, I mean, hopefully you have good friendships in the church, but if you're only looking for that, you're still going to have a small experience of Christ because mm. it's going to come through people who are just like you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a quote um, that, by a person that obviously I don't agree with everything he says, but sometimes he says some good things. Um, I think it's Michael Foucault. Foucault. Um, but he, he says this. He's not speaking about the church. He's speaking about other things, but he says... Maybe the target nowadays is not to discover what we are, but to refuse what we are. We have, pr- we have to promote 
new forms of subjectivity through the refusal of the kind of individuality that has been imposed on us for centuries. Hmm. And I love that, that last phrase. Hmm. We assume that what we think, what we desire, are purely, purely flows from us. When in fact, there's been this individual, individualistic idea that has been imposed on us that we function out of. And, we, and, and I think that's why as adults, it's harder to, be, to make friends in our culture. Mm-hmm. We become settled in who, we, in who we are and we're less willing to change. And I think this type of community forces us to jump out of ourselves for a bit and say, there are other possibilities, things that I can become in Christ. I can be different. I can, I can actually mm-hmm. change. And mm. I don't think we ask the question, do I want to change? Mm. Like, do I actually want to change? Am I where I need to be, even if I'm 45, 50, 60, 70 years old? Or are there other ways that the Spirit of the Lord is wanting to stretch me and push me beyond myself? And I think dealing with people that aren't like us, Christian people, helps us with that. Because in that person, it's the Spirit of God that's working in a unique way, same person, same person in the Trinity, but working in a unique way in that person that has something to give to me. And, but am I humble enough to receive it? That is so true. And we have to be conscious of that mm-hmm. to be able to address it, Yeah. to, to be able to get underneath our mm-hmm. underlying, you know, like you say, just this is the way we operate. And yeah. We have to think about it, come to the realization of it. Mm-hmm. And it's really... I mean, I think some of that, too, is, well, that's supposed to be our focus. You know, we're supposed to be desiring and praying to be transformed Mm -hmm. into the image of Christ, you know, through all of the things that God's doing and has put in our lives, through the Word, through, you know, Mm -hmm. one another, through church. But as we, if we really are becoming more like Christ, then that will start to supersede us mm-hmm. like you're talking about yeah. and our particular how we've been you know yeah. trained or how we're trained to think and how yeah. we see ourselves and yeah here's here's a question you, you bring up being transformed to the image of christ and it, it just struck me i've i've often when i when i envision being transformed into the image of christ i immediately go to his glorification i'm gonna be like that mm-hmm. <laughs> but is that what paul's saying Mm-mm. Does he say, it, yes, at some point, sure. But does, what does he mean by that? <laughs> the image of Christ, notice what, like, that's, that's actually, it's saying right. you're being transformed into the suffering servant. Christ <laughs> gave himself yeah. for all, well, for starts, everyone else. And he starts this passage yeah. with, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Right. And that was another thing. He didn't say, I'm, I'm in prison here in Rome. Listen to what I got to say. No, he, that's, that's more of an identification marker. Like, I've identified this imprisonment as something that happens in the Lord. That means there is, there is no compartmentalizing mm. our walk with Christ. It's not, oh, I do Christian stuff on Sunday, and then I work, and I raise families, and I have these jobs. It's everything, even when it comes to suffering. Mm-hmm. I don't suffer outside of Christ. I suffer in Him. <laughs> Um, and if I suffer in him, that means the pattern that his life took is the same pattern my life will take. There mm. will be a downward trajectory, um, but there also will be an upward one too. Um, and I think that's just so helpful. And the, how Paul even says in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, he says the same thing, but he adds on, I'm a prisoner in the Lord on behalf of you Gentiles. Mm. On behalf. Like this imprisonment is in the Lord, but it's for you. 
which is so <laughs> powerful because it's he's he's saying in essence to Caesar or to the <laughs> Ro, you know the Roman powers, you think you have so much power over me, mm-hmm. but what you are doing is actually playing right into the Lord's hands. Playing right into it, which is what we can say to Satan, what we can say to sin, what we can mm-hmm. say to anyone, anything that is you know mm-hmm. oppressing us, mm-hmm. that. Actually, you have a lot less power than you think. A lot less. But I also want to go back to what you guys were saying earlier. To me, it sounded like you were actually saying, not only do we need to know the Lord to know ourselves better, we actually need to know the church, become in known and loved in the church in order to know ourselves better. Hmm. Like in order to be transformed into what Jesus wants us to be like in heaven. Hmm. We need the church for that. Yes. Right? Well, that's where we started. This is the total Christ, mm. you know, finale. <laughs> this is mm. the last one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's exactly what it is, is that you are not fully participating in and being in, you know, the Lord, unless you are a part of his now physical body in the world. Right? right? That's who... We are. That's who the church is. That's mm. that's you know on one level who humanity is, because <laughs> mm. we're made in, in, again in God's image. But mm. but that's, I mean that's the full circle. You aren't going to have it. Yeah. If yeah. you don't, if you're not. Yeah. We often want to change on our terms. Like we have our vision of what we want to become. You know, I want to be, you know, 185 pounds and six percent body fat. I want to get <laughs> this and that and the other. I want to get married. We have all these things we want to. You know, we want to change for that, but the type of change that the Spirit of God works in our hearts is lowliness, and that's what we don't want. We don't want lowliness. Lowliness is not fun. Low, and I was uh, Sunday. I taught um, the youth Sunday school, and there's a lot of overlap between that and this. And I was talking about what it feels like to be lowly, and you know, Paul in in, in First Corinthians, yeah, Second Corinthians twelve, the thorn in the flesh passage. Um, I, and I asked the, the, the youth, like, how long do you think Paul was there in that suffering moment? How long do you think he was there? And I asked the same question. I didn't, I didn't ask him the sermon, but I, I'll ask it here. How long do you think we are to remain in lowliness or to remain in weakness? It's not, we, we, we take, I want to be lowly just as long as it's going to be for something else. I'll be lowly and then I can achieve I can jump out of lowliness and put that behind me. No, lowliness is to be a perpetual experience of the Christian. Perpetual experience of the Christian. And that's not fun. And that's where we find, where we change. So as an example, not a, not a, uh, not a, a personal example, but just hypothetical. You're walking in church and you, you come across somebody and um, this is, let's just say this in somebody that you would prefer, like you've never really spoken with them. You've never really engaged with them, but they come up to you and, um, you may have said something to them in the past or whatnot, and they confront you on it. And the first thing you feel is you're, you're off put by it. You're annoyed. You can either take that as they're wrong, or you can say that's Christ rebuking me. Like there's, there's pride that I need to deal with. Like that's so helpful. To, to view it that way. Um, and I need that. I need the other person as, in a sense, a mirror. Not to see, or should I say a window, not to see me. Or yes, to see me maybe. Yes, to see me. To see a reflection of me. Like, wow, I'm actually 
less patient than I thought. Mm. And that's, that's one way Christ edges us further and closer and closer and closer to his image, I think. Which really makes a mockery of any, any way we try to be like individual Christians. Mm. As far as all I need is, is Jesus in my Bible and I'm good. Mm-hmm. It just means you're not actually reading the Bible. <laughs> like the yeah. whole, so much of it is about, no, how Christ, how Christ is going to be with you mm. is through one another. Mm. So that to me is also challenge. One thing you challenged me, Jerry, and is uh, it's easy for me to rationalize saying, all right, I'm an introvert, so I don't need to be with people all the time. Mm-hmm. Which, to some extent, is fine. Sure, that's true. People are created differently. But personalities are true, but they shouldn't be used as an excuse mm-hmm. for sin. And I have noticed how God has been working more in me. Where Actually, no, I, I use my introvert <laughs> nature as like an excuse mm-hmm. to just isolate myself. Or uh, it's actually an excuse to find comfort. It is. And... <laughs> I don't want to poo-poo the, 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 the term introvert or poo-poo the term extrovert because I think they're helpful terms. But one, way, one reason why it's easy to hide behind them is because they're almost, um, they're, there's, no, there's no morality attached to them. They're just neutral. They're neutral terms that you, you could stuff anything behind and say, I'm just an, just an extrovert, introvert. And it feels like a trump card it does. in that way. Yeah, it does. It's like, no, well, you may be, but you're also prideful you're also selfish like you're not just an introvert <laughs> or an extrovert and if you are an introvert your pride is going to show itself in different ways than it would an extrovert it just is so pride needs to be called out regardless so that's why i often don't like using the term because i, I use it so often like i don't feel like hanging out when i probably should when right. it's like uh, it's not really that i'm an introvert right now i'm feeling insecure mm-hmm. that's what it is well there's a lot of things like that that you mm-hmm. can use sort of as your quote-unquote trump card um this is why it's because i am this way and gotta work through it and i don't really you know but there's no sort of call to challenge mm. me being yeah. x way you yeah. know um, whatever that might be right yeah and the the the, the goal the, the goal of the introvert is not to become an extrovert, and the goal of the extrovert is not to become more introverted. Like the goal is always holiness. Right. It's always holiness. Whether you say you're this or you say you're that, the goal is always holiness, um, which is which is calling us to repent and to trust Christ at, at all points. Hmm. So, one one point one one question that I could I, I could have wrapped the sermon around. Um, the problem that with unity in the church, because it doesn't look like, I mean, let's just be honest, it doesn't look like often that the church is united. And so how, how do we, how do you think we deal with that? I don't know how much time we have, but um, how do we deal with the, the, the clear disunity that we see in the church? And then the unity that Christ says is an objective reality. Those seem to contradict. How is it, how is it, at one point objective and at another point, it seems like there's, there's a lot of division. My goodness. How are we united <laughs> in our own church or the church at large <laughs> in the yeah, world? Let's do the church at church at large. Yeah. I think we should grieve it first. Mm-hmm. I think it should be <clears throat> something that really saddens us. Mm-hmm. 
we should come to it with, as he says in the passage, humility and gentleness and patience, because mm-hmm. clearly it's not, it's not the way it's supposed to be. As mm-hmm. much as I love, love my Baptist brothers down the street, we are meant to be one. Mm-hmm. And we've accommodated, you know, the sin in the world in this sense to say, yes, we are one in some more abstract way, but we're not one enough to worship together. Which is which is sad, mm-hmm. and it does uh, disrupt how how close we can be, right? I mean, Bridges of Hope is this beautiful picture, but it's only just a tiny, tiny, Slice. tiny yeah. beginning mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Where we're supposed to be one with the, the different churches, but we can really only do certain things together, or otherwise we're going to start, you know, yeah, really disagreeing. Mm. Um, so I would say, yeah, we have to start by by grieving that, um, and and hopefully realizing that it is it is a gift that is ours by our birthright in Christ, our new birthright, mm-hmm. and we have we have sort of lived in contrary to that. Mm-hmm. So we try. I mean, but then there, of course, there are theological explanations of mm-hmm. why there are denominations and that sort yeah. of thing, but. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't, wouldn't want to jump too quickly to that. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think the Catholic Church has it any better. I think, in a sense, they have denominations underneath this really big tent. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure they're that much more united than than Protestants. Mm-hmm. Um, it just appears like they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even so, that is, you know. That is what the world sees. And if we're talking on the world level, you know, that is just, that is the way it is because of sin in the world. We aren't, we can't mm-hmm. agree and we can't have complete, you know, understanding together. And, and it is a mercy and a grace because we do have to live here in the not yet. Right. Um, but you're right. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And we need to keep that vision of, what it was once mm-hmm. and what it will be in that we will all be, we will all be united. Right. Yeah. We still will have our personalities and we still will, we won't be. Yeah. I mean, know, there, yeah. So there but, is the, I would say the God given unity, but there is the God given diversity, even mm-hmm. in this passage where, mm-hmm. where he oh, has yeah. given gifts to all sorts of people. And so, you know, this informs even our church planning, why we have a church plant a mile away, because there is such a, God, we would say God-given created difference mm-hmm. Um, mm. that you could say it's easier seen like in a language. So, mm-hmm. so if we had a church plant, say in Fairhaven, that was Spanish speaking, that would be a much easier way to understand why there needs to be different churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but language is is broader than that, right? Yeah. It's cultural. So there's still you can see beauty in in the different churches for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I would say that's a you know created yeah common grace so it's sort of based in that yeah Yeah. and but then ultimately yeah heaven will be the point where all of those common grace givenness Mm -hmm. is united in one Mm. glorious worship you know Mm. like pentecost yeah different languages Mm -hmm. they all heard the same Mm. gospel yeah yeah, uh, that's that's actually very very helpful to think. Some of our some of the the the, the differences that we see, it's just it's actually a blessed difference. Like, oh, there's a different culture. Um, yeah, let's let's let Christ express Himself through this community and not impose our 
our our personalities upon them. Um, so that that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Another thing I was thinking, unity, the opposite of unity. Well, should, let me put it a different way. I think we we think when when we see friction between two groups, we automatically think, oh, there's disunity. I don't think that's always the case. Sometimes that's actually there's actually unity there. <laughs> I think of two siblings and they are fighting. They don't look united, but they are because they're, they're related. They're siblings. They're united under one banner. There's something objective about them that cannot be separated. Hmm. And they're, they're fighting over that. Now it depends on what they're fighting over. Um, or the, the, there's an example in Acts chapter 15 where the church had a struggle. How do we treat these Gentiles? What, what law should we impose and what, what shouldn't? And there was a gathering of the churches, and they duked it out. And it was a pretty fierce one. And because of that, they actually came out more united than they were before. But nothing in there was rebuked for being um, dis, for, for being uh, having, no dis, having disunity. Um, it was actually the way they experienced unity was through this friction. Um, yeah, I think you're you're making a good point. There's there's true unity and false unity. Mm-hmm. You, we can impose unity, and and basically that's a kind of cultural imperialism, mm-hmm. right? You you see it in the colonial period, where like yes, if you want to be a Christian, you also have to become uh, like a person who lives in England. You know, you have to adopt mm-hmm. all of their clothes and all of their habits and whatever, mm-hmm. and and then there will be one church. It's like no, that's that's actually false unity. Yeah. Um, or the type that the prophets mentioned, where the peace, peace when there is no peace. Yeah. So there was actually, they were creating false peace mm-hmm. with a kind of cultural imperialism. You have to worship this way. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say that's not a deeper unity. It's not at all. But what you're saying is, is a true unity is appreciating mm-hmm. the, the God-given gifts and God-given nature and, and yeah. personality. And also appreciating the Word of God. Like, that's why I can appreciate my Baptist brothers and sisters, because they appreciate the Word of God. And mm-hmm. we, we may duke it out over, you know, in, in-house sort of discussions, but when it comes to the person of Christ, like, oh, we, we are in full agreement. Um, but they love the Word of God so much that they're willing to stand on their conviction. That's where we could, we could actually have healthy disagreements that does not equal mm-hmm. this, this, this unity. Well, that's that iron sharpening iron. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. metaphor that we see because if mm-hmm. you know, I use sharpeners all the time in my job, <laughs> and what's happening is you are removing some of that material off of that blade in order to make it sharper mm-hmm. for its use. And so that's you know, when you talk about humans and you do that, that's that's gonna sting a little mm-hmm. because you're being winnowed in mm-hmm. some way, mm-hmm. so to speak, and and you're losing what you don't need to be able to sort of become, you know, and do have your purpose fulfilled Mm -hmm. and be able to do what you want. And that's kind of the sibling thing too. I mean, obviously it can go awry in, in our sinful, you know, natures and world, but it's, they are part of the same family. They are siblings. And unless they are just turning their back and saying, no, you're not my brother anymore. And I'm not even going to bother arguing with you or Mm -hmm. fighting with you because I don't care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's worse. You know, you're you're actually saying no. Let you know, it might not be healthy, but <laughs> it's let's let's figure this out. This yeah, is, you know, this yeah. Is they fight so hard because they love each other. In a way, other. yes. Yeah. Whether it's you know, it can be felt in the moment or not. Yeah, but, it might um, not be. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. It may not be, but 
Yeah. And, and that you, kind of. And if I don't want to get too uh, psychological here, but I, I think it's helpful. Um, you almost read any um, uh, marriage counseling book. One of the most unhealthy things a married couple can do is not argue. Mm. Not argue. If you don't argue, you're not, you may look one, but you're two. Mm. You're two. It's actually healthy to, to, to duke it out because then you learn to hear each other and what they're saying. And anyways, you know where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that's helpful. Just it, we live in a sinful world. We are, we 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 all have differences. Um, and then we're dealing with truth that is deep by deep. I don't just mean profound, but there are depths and levels to it that we are in a sense discovering and how it's a, to be applied. And as time goes on, as, as cultures change and shift, we have to re-engage it. So a lot of the a lot of the the, the, sh- the the friction that we experience is how do we apply this to now? Now, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and which, we got to do it out. Which I think is why he starts with the humility and gentleness and patience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you're being sharpened mm-hmm. and you don't have humility, it's going to be excruciating oh. and, and ineffective. And ineffective. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. you're going to be defensive and mm. not united. Mm. But yeah. All right. Thank you, Jennifer and Jerry. Some great words there, Jerry. Appreciate the sermon. And God bless to you all. We'll see you next week.